this is Jack Grisham, author of A Principle of Recovery and An American Demon, and you're listening to Rebellion Dogs Radio. Welcome to Rebellion Dogs Radio, a contemporary look at substance use, recovery, 12-step life, now with less dogma and more bite. This is episode 58, Hot Summer in the COVID City 2021. This episode, we do our annual collection of What's New. It'll mostly be what's new in the recovery world, but we always end with music. And this episode, we have Ken Tizzard and Friends, a new record dropped May 18th, 2021, full of uh, cover songs. So we're going to hear a brand new version of Mad Mad World. There's AA's second all-Zoom general service conference for the USA and Canada. AA World Services, AA Grapevine are there. The most recent, the 26th World General Service Conference, we learn about AA outside of USA and Canada. There is 2020 U.S. Census data coming out piecemeal. We'll talk about this new recovery era. Millennials quietly started turning 40 years old last year. Say what? Yeah, the youngest millennials are 25 years old this year. I know we're all getting older. They're the largest adult population in America right now. Move over, baby boomers. In AA, there's a new sheriff in town. Generation Y will take it from here. This Zoom meeting, Zoom conference thing isn't freaking them out. It's greener, more time efficient, encourages teamwork. It costs less. They can order shoes and clothes for home delivery during the meeting. This is right up their alley. Maybe that's why the language of AA wants unchangeable because of its hallowed and nostalgic pedigree is getting a facelift. Even some Bill W-isms are, as I suspect he would encourage, being modernized. Thought AA would never change? Whether that made you glad or made you sad, we were wrong. This isn't the 20th century, and a new generation has taken the helm. Millennials, I see you if you're listening, and I know you are. Yes, I'm a 1960 baby boomer, but we had our chance. It isn't the founder's generation to blame for the reified basic text, not a new publication of new work by AA World Service since 1975, two generations ago. The blame for being stuck is with baby boomers. We're the ones who Bill Wilson talked about when cautioning about fearing needed change. The essence of all growth is a willingness to change for the better, and then an unremitting willingness to shoulder whatever responsibility this entails. That's Bill Wilson, July 1965, when he knew he wouldn't be around to captain the AA ship for long. So what I'm saying is we boomers had our chance. We proved no match for our own resistance to change. Millennials, you have the helm. I'm at your service and in your debt. The COVID pandemic effect has maybe sped up the process for AA getting unstuck. Everyone everywhere is changing how we live, how we live in recovery. But demographic data from the 2020 U.S. Census shows that 21st century America was already looking and acting differently and they hold different beliefs than the Christian primacy nation and recovery rooms of yore. Millennial stewardship will have a modern tone. This is their decade, and same with the next decade. The 20s of this century will roar with nonviolent communication. Annually, Rebellion Dogs recalibrates our views based on what the latest statistics tell us about demographics, trends, and what bearing this may have on our recovery. Well, it's time. Here we go. 
We cover AA a lot, I know, because it's the grandparent of peer-to-peer -peer in some regards. Yes, every peer group is autonomous. Plenty of smart recovery or women for sobriety members have never been to a 12-step meeting. And recovery looks sunny without a 1 through 12 checklist to many people. Even with the 12-step world, there are so many unique iterations. There are a substantial number of members of substance or behavioral-based addictions that don't care about changes to the AA Big Book or the 12 and 12 because they don't read or rely on them for continued and contented recovery. Of course, that's true even within AA. Many AA meetings don't read conference-approved AA literature in their meetings or pay little attention to AA worldwide. Their concern is for themselves, each other, and the newcomer. Recently, in an AA Agnostica article by Dr. Ray B. about navigating being a public voice, to talk about recovery and respecting AA's anonymity tradition. John L. was on a bit of an aside, but he made this uh, point about identifying ourselves as 12-step members or being in a 12-step fellowship. John's 53 years of sobriety from alcohol and other mind-altering drugs isn't due to the 12 steps. He's not a preponderant of the steps. His 2014 book, A Free Thinker in Alcoholics Anonymous, describes his AA program as one day at a time, staying away from the first drink, fellowship, honesty, service, etc. But nothing about being defective, powerless, being morally corrupt, nothing 12-step-ish at all about John's program. He makes the point that we misrepresent the broader paths within AA and other like-minded fellowships because not everyone owes their recovery or even practices the 12 steps, certainly not as a 1 through 12 structured process. What's a better way to describe ourselves? That's worth thinking about and talking about. A trend continues in our 21-year-old millennium. AA is doing great in the United States of America, we're shrinking in membership everywhere else. We will hear concern about AA relatability and continued relevance in our reporting today. The 2020 USA census is starting to be digested. America is now the old country, the way we used to refer to Europe. With 20 years of trending older population, fewer coming to the USA in search of the American dream, youth population wanes, and the USA is looking more like a retirement community than the New World. It's not the wild, wild west the way it used to be. Is it true that as goes America, so goes AA? And is AA's fate contagious when it comes to other process substance use fellowships that follow the same guiding principles? The point here is change is constant, and AA is changing. It always has been. If you take exception to this assertion, stay with me. <laughs> you can call BS at the end if you're still not convinced. This just in. The 71st General Conference, 2021. Alcoholics Anonymous takes its own inventory every year and takes steps to make amends and admit when we were wrong. And nobody's happy. As always, changes happen. And they are underwhelming for progressives and way too risky for the most conservative members. The USA-Canada General Service Conference overcame a huge sacred cow this year, which is a beginning. Starting with the 12 steps and 12 traditions, the reified words of Bill Wilson have now been modernized, or they're about to be. For some, the never-changers, this marks breakdown in orthodoxy, a beginning of the end. For others, this bridge building, gateway, widening adaptation to modern times is just too painfully slow. Furthermore, 
The 2021 conference found a way to overcome the roadblock with the sacredness of 1939 language in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a compromise, giving two sides what they express that they need. On one hand, there is plans for a fifth edition, big book. First edition was 39, 55 saw number two, 1976 for three, fourth edition was 2001. Now, no changes will be made to the first 164 pages. And another project is being created for a plain language translation of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. After all, the book is now in 70 plus foreign languages. Now it's being translated into 21st century modern American. More on changes coming our way later in this report. And it's not all about America. I've just read the report for the 26th World Service Meeting, which happened in 2020. It represents groups and members from countries outside Canada and the USA. Looking at what's going on outside the US is a great idea. You've probably read reviews about surveys about demographics inside the USA. There's a diversifying worldview in America. It's transforming the culture. And perhaps AA, the USA homeland, can take some cues from the countries it's exporting sobriety to. The World Service Meeting met virtually in 2020, representing 109 countries. Under the eyes, for example, Iceland, India, Iran, and Ireland. Our World Service Meeting happens late in the year, needs more translation, hence the 2020 final report just came out in 2021. The most popular topics at the World Service Meeting included one, safety in AA, two, encouraging women in general service, three, young people in AA, and four, anonymity in the age of online AA. Jan Kay of the Czech Republic spoke on what are we doing to attract young people? The following excerpt is from this 26th World Service meeting. Uh, acronym trigger alert. AA is notorious for throwing around acronyms which are aimed to speed up conversation, but also create an in-crowd and an out-crowd divide of those who know what CPC, H&I, or AAWS means, and those who do not. In our always-inclusive, never-exclusive, principled fellowship, we still sometimes struggle internally with uh, those who don't know AA speak and those who do. Jan Kay is talking to seasoned AA, so she throws around a bunch of uh, uh, these popular acronyms. YPAW, spelled Y-P-A-A, stands for Young People in AA. So there's ICIPAW, International Conference of Young People in AA, just like there's IDAA, International Doctors in AA. ICSA, International Conference of Secular AA, and so on. So besides the ICIPAW, there are many regional YPAW, YPAA organizations, each with cute-sounding acronyms. Now, my favorite right now is MONKEYPAW, M-O-N-Q-Y-P-A-A, Young People in Montreal, Quebec. Before Montreal was my favorite, MONKEYPAW, it was WACKYPAW. Western area, which uh, stretches from the Yukon and Alaska all the way down through Western Canada, Western U.S., and Mexico. Now, back to Jan's report for the advisory action is not calling it rewriting the big book. It might be difficult to identify with the idea that they should be in touch with AA for the rest of their lives. A lot of young people can leave AA that's a fact. It depends on how the AA program helps them, how the foundations are laid, and whether or not the traditions are followed in groups. It is important not to discourage them with our fanaticism by putting across our guaranteed truths. 
but to listen to them and take them seriously, to show them an example of behavior that is appealing but sincere, to be equal, not to be arrogant, to have fun, to show them that we absolutely insist on enjoying life. Many young people can be discouraged by the words God or higher power, the same as adults. It's particularly important to emphasize to them that this fellowship is for everyone, atheists and agnostics as well. In this case, I would appreciate having the pamphlet The God Word, Agnostics and Atheists in AA, translated as its fullest stories of people who are sober and happy in AA without any religious or spiritual concept of higher power. So do not push and let everyone have their own way. Also, numbers of Czech young people in AA travel across Europe. They participate in conventions such as Yeripa or Skansipa, which shows a positive trend. Young people in Czech AA organized Yeripa in Prague in 2014, which was my first YPA convention, and I was amazed how young people have fun without alcohol. I also had the opportunity to network with young members from different countries, which at the time made me feel like Alice in Wonderland. Until then, I'd been isolated, and suddenly I had dozens of new friends around me. This experience had a big impact on my perception of AA and staying in it. Many activities related to reaching out to young people are still just beginning in our country, we think we're on the right track. It's improving, although now in the time of COVID-19, most of these activities are on hold. Schools are closed and contact is limited. We are not allowed to go to prisons, treatment centers, etc. The main way to reach young people is the internet and treatment centers, which can still direct young people to AA online. Each form of contact with recovering alcoholics is vital these days, and I'm grateful to have the possibility of having virtual rooms where we can meet, not only locally, but also globally, like we are in this meeting right now. Woo, Jan, there's a lot to unpack in there how AA can alter or improve meeting Jan's concerns about meeting anyone, anywhere, at any time. What's more effective? Accommodating those who share a common suffering or demanding that everyone conform to our personal or collective views. Even in this pandemic, newcomers are approaching AA. They represent almost every belief and attitude imaginable. Thank you, Bill W. Jen reminds us, with new people, listening to them, taking them seriously, answering an objection with, yeah, but, isn't listening. At least it's not good listening. There is one, listening until it's my turn to talk. Two, empathetic, engaged listening. And if I'm really good, listening for what's not being said. If a 22-year-old says, oh, I don't think I need to quit completely, do I launch in with denial isn't a river in Egypt, you know, or share my own experience with negotiating and ambivalence when I was new? Or do I ask, so, uh, why did you make a decision to log on to this meeting in the first place anyway? What, what's your plan exactly? Sometimes they will tell us what's not being said if we bring a beginner's mind and probe further, sincerely, or feed back what they've told us. Few are 100% sure that they can't drink ever again, or 100% sure that my peer-to-peer -peer group, my home group, is a right fit. For their first meeting. Jan reminds us that it's more important that the youth feels they are heard and that they are welcome 
and that they are free to be with us as long as they need or want our company. What if they express some apprehension about the whole higher power thing? A reaction would be either the, but AA spiritual, not religious, oversimplification, or go on a rant about my own misgivings about AA language and theology. Wouldn't it be better first to ask them, what exactly are your concerns? And then let them elaborate. Jan says something that would apply to youth in any country. Make sure they hear or read stories of people who are sober and happy in AA without any religious or spiritual concept of higher power. For newcomers, as Bill W. described them, with every belief and attitude imaginable, how much less effective will we be suggesting that reliance on the mercy of God's is a belief structure that has primacy in AA and they have to get used to it, while a humanist belief is an attitude that will simply be tolerated. Don't we all need to hear stories whereby we relate to the people telling the story? I hear the passion and urgency in Jan's uh, message. How many of Jan's fellow members have taken a fatal turn in their own addiction or struggled in their own recovery? I'm revisiting this stunning collection of work on addiction and recovery from Catherine Ketchum. Now, her collection has brought truth and science where superstition and gut feeling had to suffice before. Uh, Ketchum's first contribution was in 1981, Under the Influence, a guide to the myths and realities of alcoholism with Dr. James R. Millam. Almost 20 years later, Beyond the Influence, Understanding and Defeating Alcoholism, Ketchum wrote this with a team of co-authors. She participated in two with Ernie Kurtz, The Spirituality of Imperfection, and the 20-year follow-up to that, Experiencing Spirituality, in 2015. I count 16 more books about how to help us help each other, how to save the still-suffering addict-alcoholic, before a more personal book came out, The Only Life I Could Save, her story about living through the addiction and recovery of one of three of her children, Ben. I'm quite moved by it. Finally, hearing a Catherine Ketchum's personal accounts. I'm sure I'll have more to say when I'm done this book. But I thought of Catherine and I thought of her family when I was listening to Jan's message. AAs who subscribe to a supernatural explanation of AA sobriety don't need to cower nor apologize. It's not going out of style. While supernatural belief wanes in the U.S., believers still hold a substantial majority in and out of AA. But Jan's point is the need for equal time in ink to display that non-believers' approach to and success with AA is neither second-class nor intellectual stubbornness, as described by our early, more religious AAs. Jan's point here is that by only having the God word, agnostics and atheists and AA, in three languages, we discriminate and disadvantage other newcomers, other members who speak other languages. Czechs are the third least theistic people in the world. China's number one, with 90% of people who are atheists or have no religion. Sweden at 76%, Czech Republic at 75%. And these people don't believe in a creator, interventionalist, higher power. How attractive could how it works be in the 1939 American language in a room where three-quarters of the people who are in the AA meeting, if it was read to them, there is one who has all power, that one is God, may you find him now. They see that as a superstitious belief structure. In this Washington Post report, 
66% of the United Kingdom and 53% of Canadians are atheists and or have no religion. Even Israel, Mecca to three Abrahamic faiths, is 65% non-believers in the 21st century. Jan sees the idea of a prayer-answering sobriety granting higher power as hindering, not helping, many AAs grow in her town, and the reason is obvious. While America embraces beliefs in higher powers borrowed from Christianity, even American youth are going the other direction. They're a changing culture. Remember that we AAs have a common suffering, but individual AA recoveries offering examples of AA recovery with any and every worldview is requested by this particular Czech delegate. Changing demographics suggests that all of AA ought to be flexible and open-minded to Europe's unapologetic, non-theistic approach to AA. Even in the U.S., the most religious developed country in the world, a new study shows that now less than half of Americans are members of churches. The 2021 class of newcomer, most places in the world, do not have the same beliefs and attitudes as Middle America 1941, 1961, or even 1991. Sometime last century, someone quipped that AA is the last house on the block, and that caught on. Also, sometimes heard is, if God drives them out, drink will drive them back. <sighs> Today in 2021, what may have been the last house on the block, AA is now one of hundreds of a growing subdivision of mutual aid, peer-to-peer -peer support. Some AA members today are also involved with other mutual aid groups. AA members might go to She Recovers, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, Women for Sobriety, NA, Al-Anon, Debtors Anonymous, Alcoholics Victorious, Smart, Life Ring, Dharma Recovery. When AA grew in members every decade from 1935 to 1995, the primacy of AA was not challenged seriously. There were no recovery podcasts, no social media or online resources, and certainly not as many mutual aid alternatives. AA and our 12-step oriented communities, they are still ubiquitous. AA is well known, if not well understood, almost everywhere and available broadly online or face-to-face. -face. If you live in the USA, you might think AA is growing and never fade away. But if you live anywhere else, AA is actually smaller today than when the 21st century began. It shrunk. Support systems like treatment centers and court referrals based on 12-step models still dominate the US landscape not so in the more science-based, less religious world. Every new century, while appreciating the past, evolves into new ways of talking and interacting. A 2012 survey released by Partnership for Drug-Free Kids and the New York State Office of Alcoholism and Substance Use and Services found that 1. 10% of American adults 18 and older consider themselves to be in recovery from drug or alcohol abuse problems. And two, these nationally representative findings indicate that there are 23.5 million American adults who are overcoming an involvement with drugs or alcohol that they once considered to be problematic. So far this millennium, in our last AA membership survey, which was 2014, we found that 61% are sober five years or less, 22% are sober over 20 years, and the average AA is sober almost 10 years. Also, AAs on average went to two and a half meetings a week. Three quarters of members were introduced to AA through a treatment center, 
or medical care. 84% of these credit the treatment for having a significant contribution in their recovery. And also 80% have a sponsor in AA. 6 out of 10 identify as male, 9 out of 10 are Caucasian. This survey measures uninterrupted sobriety. Some of our AAs with five years or less or even five years or more have had decades of AA experience that aren't counted in this survey. Someone with two years of sobriety today may have 20 years of being an AA that includes long bouts of positive sober living. There is plenty more I would like to know about AA members not mentioned in this pamphlet. But it's not designed for me, it's designed by public information for gathering key information that they believe that non-alcoholics want to know about the medical community and the public at large. Still, I find it helpful too. Tradition 9's refrain, AA ought never be organized, is recognizable in our method of tracking members and groups each year. No one has to sign up or apply for AA membership, and a group of AA can call themselves a group without ever applying for a group number or participating in the general service structure. Any group can start, hold themselves out as AA, never register with the general service office. They have that right. It's a choice to participate in the business of AA as a whole. And now, flawed as our autonomy and anonymity or privacy over organization and report keeping creed is, our records still offer a relevant year-over-year -year comparison. While the totals are not expected to be exact or accurate, when you use the same flawed system one year to compare with the same method used another year, at least it shows a story about the trend. So each year, Rebellion Dogs looks at groups and members and compares them, sees how we're doing. We look at uh, January 1st in the year 2000, this time last year, 2020, and what January 1st, 2021 said. On our website, we have the whole graph if you love columns and rows <laughs> and numbers. Uh, we've got it all there. The big question during COVID was, would AA grow or decline? Well, we added 61,000 members. Uh, there are 2,138,201 of us, and that total number rivals 2001, which was the highest we ever had, which was 2.2 million. AA added 4,233 new groups in the year of COVID, too, that GSO knows about. But a trend we reported last year continues. AA is made up of 24% more members in the USA, but Canada and the world have double-digit declines in members. Canada's 87,000 members is a decline from a year ago, almost 11,000 fewer AA members than at the turn of the century. Outside of USA and Canada, we see fewer members year over year also, and they have 14% less members than they did in the year 2000. So why and what exactly does that say? Uh, easy to jump to conclusions. I'm sure there are a number of factors. Now, Jan, in her report from the Czech Republic, thinks more irreligious, less God literature would be more relatable to newcomers she sees. There are no Czech secular AA groups that I know of, and there certainly are more atheist, agnostic, freethinkers meetings than ever before in the USA, Canada, and the world. More Portuguese, Polish-speaking, Spanish, and French-language meetings as well as English. I think there are German uh, secular meetings too. We see groups that met once or twice a week back in a brick-and-mortar setting, 
Well, these groups have added meetings. Some of them are going every night of the week. BIPOC, uh, Black Indigenous People of Color. These meetings have come online too, and a variety of regular events uh, are happening. There's recorded podcasts, there's AA History Nights, there's town halls, regional roundups and conferences are all going online, and these new uh, virtual gatherings are happening. In 2020, the International Women's AA Conference busted all previous records online. It had 19,000 members logging on. And I see uh, double special purpose groups, secular women's meetings, secular BIPOC, secular young people's groups. They're being added to Zoom all the time. And AA as a whole, according to the report from this year's General Service Conference, they are looking at how to uh, count these groups so we know that are out there and how to invite them if they wish to participate and have a voice in regular AA discussion. Also, at the 26th World Conference of AA, a strong focus for delegates was on the effect of the pandemic on Alcoholics Anonymous with respect to members' abilities to meet in person or online, as well as the challenges newcomers face in finding and connecting with AA. In some countries, the virtual meeting that have become a staple for pandemic-era AA elsewhere are not possible due to lack of consistent internet connectivity. There was a sense that virtual meetings are probably here to stay, even in a post-pandemic era, and so the groups discussed how these meetings might or might not be connected to general service structure. Also, Nana Kay, a first-time delegate of Greece, talks about how small, compared to any urban center in Canada or the U.S., Greek AA is. She says, at the World Service meeting, I saw people I know from the European Service meeting, and I felt like crying when I saw them again. I've met so many people from all over the world, and I never would have been able to meet uh, if it wasn't for these circumstances. We couldn't have afforded the trip to New York or even the virtual meeting fee, but the World Service Fund paid for us. We don't like this. We would like to be self-supporting. But in Greece, there are only 21 Greek-speaking groups, eight English, two Russian, and one Polish-speaking AA group, which means we have few contributions. Now, from the April USA-Canada General Service Conference, members and groups of USA and Canada have their say at this annual conference. There are 90-plus delegates from areas across Canada and the U.S. There's World Service trustees, General Service office staff, this conference happens in April, and the final report only needs to be translated from English to Spanish and French, and so it's usually delivered in the fall. Now, with it being out on PDF, it's more widely available. If you're interested in reading about what goes on, uh, just ask your GSR. That's a general service rep. If you're a member of a group, you probably have a general service rep, and they can get you one. Call me if you want one. This uh, PDF final report uh, saves a lot of money and makes it more accessible. So going back to the story of member retention in AA, what's the moral of the story? Um, so, so people leave AA, and why would we assume that that is a AA failure or that the member failed because they left? If people get what they need from AA and move on, that sounds like a positive feature for AA. And staying in AA, on the other hand, is not a dependency. It's not a handicap. Many continue with AA decades after overcoming their drinking problem. We have periodic attenders and we have regular attenders, people who are very engaged in AA. AA careers is how they're 
researchers who study us, categorize us and our behavior. In their findings, some come to AA, engage by joining a meeting, creating a recovery posse, and after time, one, three, or five years, they stop going to meetings or slow down dramatically. There's this doomsday parable within AA about how every relapse starts with not going to meetings anymore. Now, that's not uh, a lie. People do track their relapses back step by step and see that not going to meetings, that was a turning point in compromising their recovery priority, their recovery routine. But also true is that great, meaningful lives start with stopping meetings or going to fewer of them. What happens to these success stories is alcoholics, they build up their recovery capital. Recovery capital, um, we link to it on the website there. You can take a test to find out how high your recovery capital is. So if you have strong recovery capital outside the rooms, you'll probably be fine. As newcomers, our worlds may be chaotic, dysfunctional. The lion's share of our recovery capital may come from our peer-to-peer -peer community, whatever group we go to. Over time, treatment, aftercare, or other physical and mental health professionals encourage self-care and pro-social behavior. The result uh, is an improvement in our inner resources and so this recovery capital extends and uh, can become self-sustaining because we get what we need from family, lifestyle, work, and community engagement. We have positive experiences with the outside world. Here's a quote from Pathways to Recovery and Desistance, The Role of the Social Contagion of Hope by uh, David Best. Recovery takes place on three levels, as a personal journey to well-being and belonging, as a social process of positive and valued relationships, and as a social movement that creates a sense of pride and positive identity. So not everyone who stops or reduces AA attendance is setting themselves up for relapse. No one recovers alone, even people who don't go to mutual aid groups have help. They have this CHIME acronym in common. They have connection, hope, identity, meaning, empowerment. That's the C-H-I-M-E of CHIME. Connection, hope, identity, meaning, empowerment. And if you have it beyond or outside of your peer-to-peer -peer groups, the fact that we have people that get what they need and go on isn't this a selling feature of AA? Um, you don't become meeting dependent necessarily. Still, there's lots within AA to sustain chime indefinitely too, especially for extroverts who welcome the AA experience and thrive in our community. Also, from the 71st General Service Conference... For those of you keeping track on your program at home, here are some other things that have taken place. An advisory action has changed page 117 of 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, offering a uh, 21st century revamp of the opposite sex with whom the fullest possible union can be made, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. So. They're going to take mate of the opposite sex and change it to partner, take out the heteronormativeness of uh, AA literature. The preamble, which comes from AA Grapevine, formerly AA, a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope, is now AA, is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength, and hope. There will be a fifth edition Alcoholics Anonymous. While there's not going to be any changes to the sacred 164 pages, what about the other 400 pages? Think about it. How can new stories that haven't even been written yet in a modern vernacular 
How could that add diversity to AA experiences? What should the forward, which I know it's a preface, not a forward, but AA calls it a forward, what should it say? How can it be used to uh, explain AA today? And what about the use of asterisks and their footnotes? Can we better tell a contemporary story within the confines of what we have? What creativity can be added? That's what I'm asking for. Are your creative juices flowing? What can we do to make the big book itself more uh, accessible and relatable? And as mentioned earlier, there will be a plain language big book. No one's decided what's going to be in there. Will it be as monotheistic as the big book, or will plain language include better representation of uh, the world around us? Certainly, if we are making it plain language, it doesn't have to be as misogynist or as heteronormative as our original text. What about unscientific, or at least highly challenged terms like allergy is a theory of alcoholism. What about the word alcoholism itself? If a newcomer comes to AA today, they were diagnosed as having alcohol use disorder. Should we speak the newcomer's language or ask them to conform to our nostalgic terminology? And how should the book read? What would we write if we were starting all over? That's a good question. Well, here's our chance. AA's listening. Let's show up at uh, regional forums, area assemblies, and at our own home groups. These are the places where we should be talking about this, or we can. We're allowed to talk about this and invited to. We can write directly to the literature desk at the general service office if you're not connected to a meeting. From last year, GSO has extended their deadline for stories of people who found sobriety late in life. If you arrived at AA 60 years of age or later, they're looking for stories that are more diverse. I mean, how many white male theistic heterosexual American stories do we need in one pamphlet? So they're really looking for people uh, with diverse experiences. And if you fit that criteria, consider reading the pamphlet as it stands today. It'll give you an idea of the writing structure and the page count. It should be, I would say, 500 to 800 words. And uh, just send your story in. They would welcome that at the literature desk. Now, we talked about millennial supremacy in peer-to-peer -peer groups, and that starts now. I mentioned in 2020, the first millennials born in 1980, turned 40. They went right to 96, so the youngest are 25. They're now the largest adult population in the U.S. No longer are baby boomers dominating like they have for two generations. I'm a late boomer, and our dominance of recovery from addiction, that cycle is over. By AA's 100th anniversary, there's going to be 75 million millennials in the USA. That's where most of AA lives. Boomers, our day is so last century. We were born 1946 to 65. We peaked at 79 million in 1999. Gen X, uh, sorry, the middle child generation. It's like being the princess and never getting to be queen. Hey, at least you're the average AA right now. Gen Xers are 1966 to 1979. We know that the average AA, according to our last uh, membership survey, the average AA is 50 years old. That's you, Xers. So I'm not going to skip a generation. I'm going to talk about it today. Average AAs. You might have been born in Woodstock. You rented Reality Bites, Boys in the Hood, The Breakfast Club, Days and Confused from Blockbuster. You might have even worked there. Here are the characteristics of Generation X. You're self-reliant, critical thinkers, flexible, independent, 
resistant to being defined, hence the label generation, air quotes, X. Weight. Are these qualities fostered in AA? Self-reliance, critical thinking, flexibility, independence, resistance to being defined? <laughs> There's a good reason uh, you're self-reliant, being sandwiched between two extroverted generations. And But yeah, was 12-step philosophy playing to your strengths? Maybe that's why our fellowship stopped growing in 1992. We didn't know how to talk to that year's youth newcomer. You know, I remember seeing the, and now this is my own nostalgia, I remember seeing the under-21s as members in AA growing. We went from 1% of all of AA to 2%. And we peaked in 1989 at 3%. Here's how AA looked. When I turned 29 and I was 13 years sober, from the 89 membership survey, 35% of the sample were women. 22% are under 31 years of age. And 3% are under 21 years of age. 56% are from 31 to 50 years old, and only 23% are older than 50. Today, over half of AA is over 50. We thought this youth part of AA would never stop growing. It'd go from 3% to 5 to 20. Uh, AA would be more progressive. Instead, in 1990, uh, there were no replacements for our young generation. Part of that had to do with the fact that Gen X was a smaller generation. So AA went the other way. We started aging. We stopped growing in total members. But how about today's Xers? Even if you're a trusted servant and responsible in AA, you're still serving the fellowship, which will always have more baby boomers, and more Gen Y millennials. So the tyranny of the majority has always defined your generation, and according to demographics, it uh, still will for a little while. There are some silent generation members still alive. There are members who are 81 years and older. Some of you Gen Xers are movie stars and Fortune 500 CEOs, so... You've showed us none of that generation-limiting crap really matters, right? While Gen X had a bone to pick with baby boomers, true that, it's too late. This decade, the dominating influence are going to be millennials, the people you're sponsoring now. And what do we know about this Gen Y who suffer from alcohol and drugs? The young adult subtype, as described by the recoveryvillage.com, youth with alcohol problems are 30% of everyone deemed to have alcohol dependency. The average age of starting excessive drinking was age 20, and the average age of looking for relief started at 25. 32% of this group smoke cigarettes, that's more than I thought, and 25% smoke weed, that's less than I thought. Uh, they drink fewer days than the average millennial, but consume way more on those days. They are binge drinkers, and it breaks down further. So 10% of them had their first drink before the age of 11. 37 and a half had their first drink between 12 and 17. Almost 40% between 18 and 25, and 12% didn't drink until they were 26 years or older. These are some of the young people Jan talked about. New members between 14 and 21, their generation Z. And according to our last membership survey, 2014, we had 20,000 AA members, which is 
under the age of 21. Many millennials are in AA and Dharma recovery and she recovers and NA. They've tried smart recovery too. This online meeting reality puts us in their kitchen. We adapt, they were already here. There will be a post-pandemic, but there will be no post-Zoom meeting or whatever platform uh, it might happen to be. Millennials won't want as many face-to-face -face meetings and would wonder about their group spending money on driving their general service rep to regional forums or spending group money on hotel and food. Here are some words and phrases that describe this century's first 24 to 41 year olds, which they are now. They're ethnically and racially diverse. They're global thinkers. They're pragmatic idealists. They're authentic and transparent, liberal, compassionate and progressive, team-oriented, irreligious. 38% are atheists, 19% are somethingists, and 25% uh, go to church and believe in the traditional gods available there. While, like America, millennials are more religious in the U.S., but still, even in the U.S., 29% of millennials are atheist. And that's twice the number of baby boomers in the U.S. that are atheists. Both male and female millennials buy more apparel more often than any generation ever. Millennials are multitaskers, impatient, and adventurous. So will AA help millennials see the light of God where church could not? Or will they change AA to better reflect their multiple pathways? Or will they find AA rigid and put their time in with friends they already know in the other fellowships? If there is a 100th anniversary convention of AA, most of them will be millennials. They're going to be the stewards of AA. They'll be 40 to 55 years old when AA is 100 in 2035. So just 2021 General Service Conference, and I recommend reading it. Same with the 26th World General Service Conference, too. They're easy to get a hold of if you want to know more about what goes on behind the scenes in AA. If you're toying with the idea of getting active in AA service, there's a lot going on, and you could be part of the change. Why AA is in contraction everywhere other than the United States should tell us something. It's too late to get exit surveys from those that have left, but what grievances do our fellow members have right now? And maybe we could listen a little closer. We know that people with alcohol use disorder who found AA outside of the U.S. found it lacking and left, many. Did they drink? Did they join Refuge Recovery or SMART or go to NA where their poly drug use stories were met by a less hostile audience? People vote with their feet. And this just say no to AA trend doesn't mean that they just aren't ready. What is it about the American culture of Alcoholics Anonymous that makes us less inviting outside of the U.S. of A? On several fronts, we see contrary trends. Secular AA, for instance, is growing as faster, faster per capita in Canada, Europe, Australia, and the rest of the world. Most of these 2021 new groups have never had brick-and-mortar locations, so what districts and areas are they going to join if they want to join? When you've got members in six states, three provinces, and four other countries, what area and district should you join? General Service is working on that right now. It's all good. Let's keep talking. BIPOC is growing. They're embracing the new normal of online. I was at a meeting where BIPOC members were challenging the labeling. Who coined the phrase people of color? 
was it a racially marginalized person <laughs> or was it uh, given to them or were they labeled with it? The pamphlet AA for the Native North American came up. You know, Mexico is part of North America, but somehow the constituents uh, described in AA for Native North Americans are really just Native Americans and Native Canadians. Three countries in North America, not hard to keep track of. So anyway, that needs uh, some revamp, and, and young people are talking about it. And what do you think? Is it a problem? Is AA just fine the way it is? Who cares if AA is shrinking or growing? We're not on a membership uh, campaign. Do you think we AAs even have a handle on why this is happening? I'm not sure. There's a message in people voting with their feet. Why do you think AA is shrinking while alcohol and other drug use problems are not shrinking? What do you think we should do? Accept it? Make changes? Jump in? I think some of the right questions are being asked. Will there be a backlash, do you think, to changes being made? What debates do you think uh, should be made about the Plain Language Big Book? Let us know at rebelliondogspublishing.com on our social media. You know, WhatsApp, Twitter, Facebook, email for... Those of you who still use email. We're all in this together. Uh, thanks for listening. To say thanks, we're going to end with some of the best music you've never heard, borrowed from my uh, Indie Can radio work. Ken Tizzard. Known him for a long time. Been in a lot of bands. You can find notes at rebelliondogspublishing.com. So the project is called Ken Tizzard and Friends. The record dropped May 18th on vinyl and digital. It's called All Together Now, an epic project involving 44 guest musicians uh, contributing parts from all over the continent. Ken says, when I let the news out, people started responding. Hey, if there's anything I can do to help, Ken recalls. Then the idea just hit me, make it open to everyone. So he put up a Facebook post inviting anybody who wanted to get involved. If you like any of these songs, just let me know. The response snowballed. Tizard posted a list of uh, 13 songs he had in mind for the record. And then he explains, I started putting the puzzle pieces together. I got a big sheet of paper listing the songs, the guests, what instruments they played, and started assembling it. Now, in terms of what we've been talking about over, I guess, the last few years on Rebellion Dogs Radio, mental health, mental wellness, it's been a challenge for all of us under the existential threat of a global pandemic. Some thrive, some wither, some are prolific, some are stuck creatively. The story of how this album came together is a, a chime story. That's the acronym connection, hope, identity, meaning, empowerment. One person reaches out, connection, creates community. They come together and musicians get involved. So boom, hope, identity, meaning, empowerment. As always, it always starts with reversing disconnection and the pandemic caused disconnection. And um, with connection, anything is possible. So all together now, the album, it includes songs by Tears for Fears, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Boomtown Rats, The Clash, The Cure, Billy Bragg, and R.E.M. Ken Tizzard explains that the Tears for Fears song, Mad World, developed into a booming rock song once uh, Nickelback drummer uh, Daniel Adair jumped in and Headley bassist Tommy Mack. Once they were working together, wow. So uh, here you go. Thanks for listening. RebellionDogsPublishing.com for news and notes. This is Ken Tizzard and Friends with their cover of Mad World. All around me are familiar faces, worn out places. 
Hi, my name is Dr. Vera Tarman. I'm the medical director of Renaissance and also the uh, new author of Food Junkies, The Truth About Food Addiction. And we're listening to Rebellion Dogs Radio.